Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Ram and Milo. Hello, chaps. It's been a while. Hey, Steph. Hi, Steph. Welcome back, yeah. mate. Welcome back, Thank Ram. You. You've been away even longer. I have, yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, sunny Spain, right? That's right. Uh, Seville. That's Spain, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. Let's begin with that. So <laughs> no, I was agreeing with you. I was just being more, oh. uh, more, more uh, precise. Precise, yeah. <laughs> yes, precision is uh, is certainly the name of this pod's game. Oh, God, I'll stop with that, will I? Look, at the... <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, got to say, mate, uh, the last few pods have been excellent. Really enjoyed them. As a, as a casual listener, they've been really good. They've been a lot of fun. Thank you. And uh, nice to hear, nice to hear balance and uh, and and calm and and actually some proper thought. You know, at times where I think, sadly, some of our support base are beginning to you know flap their feathers and all that rubbish again. So I, I, I've got to be honest with you. I'm very happy to be back on this side of the table where balance and, <laughs> and thought can go out the window, and I can uh, just be a loose cannon and you know free wheel. <laughs> I, I, I feel attacked. Yeah. Yes, and, and and where and where you can, uh, as you said in when we were chatting before, uh, as you said, as, off the cuff, uh, I like to think of myself, and you said, yes, it's my job to try and keep you on the cuff, <laughs> <laughs> which I, we all enjoyed. But anyway, look. So my word, I'm going to read this line in the script. I think I added uh, uh, to Milo, of course, generates. I'm not the taking scripts. the blame for this. <laughs> no, don't take the blame for this at all. I'm going to read it, and I'm not sure it makes any sense. So help me out there. So with the big success of the week being we can undo the top button of our trousers, settle back, stretch our arms, get a cocktail, and enjoy one of those The Game Is About Glory International Week pods. Ah, okay. Did you write this after a big lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this after a big, massive brain fart, it looks like, <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is it's an international week. The mighty Spurs aren't playing. So uh, Milo saved us uh, too much thinking about what we were going to discuss this week when he suggested goalkeepers, which, I mean, you know, what a fun uh, thing to discuss it is and always will be. And it will be today. No doubt he'll be parrying away further poor quips. Oh, my word. During this episode that listeners right now are wishing you were back on this side of the chair. Uh, look, chaps, why don't we just start by... Uh, uh, but look, before we start anything, how's the international break treating you? Let's just get an anchor here. How is this break treating you? Ram, why don't you start? You're in Seville, sunny Spain. I was in Seville, sunny Spain. It was sort of mid-20s, really nice. Um, I was just working out there. Uh, so yes, it's been it's been a pretty nice international break. Came home and when I came home, landed at Stansted and it was like seven degrees outside. And then I thought <laughs> I'd get the Stansted Express and that was 50 minutes late. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it's nice to be back. Top that, Milo. Come on. I've got to be honest with you. I've been quite. This is the first time this season that I've been looking forward to an international break. I think I just needed a little bit of a break from football. You know, sometimes there's just this is a bad thing to say on somebody who does a, a you know does a football pod, but sometimes there's just too much football, and it's quite nice to not have yeah. to think about it and um, yeah, just just switch off for a bit. So I, I, I've been quite enjoying the break. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, for a variety of reasons, my head's been squeezed uh, into a small uh, uh, vice-like uh, clench. It's been uh, quite tight, so I'm happy to get some time time off from everything, actually. Although I did watch uh, one game during the international break. It was not an England game. It was uh, Argentina versus Uruguay, uh, which was a lot of fun, I have to say. Um, <laughs> breakneck pace. First brawl of the game involved... 
you fill in the gap. I'm sure you'll hit it first time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was in there. And uh, of course, there was that great moment where Uruguay broke for their second goal. Lionel Messi trying to tiptoe his way through a crowded Uruguayan penalty box. And who strips the ball from him? That'll be Rodrigo Bentacor. So that was nice to see. More than anything, it was nice to see our players walk off the pitch without an injury. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a photo of Bentancur tackling Kuti and it was just, uh, just it's kind of all my nightmares at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, I know. Yeah, I think when we did, recorded the pod last weekend, Gareth had said that uh, Bentancur hadn't been called up and had, uh, had messaged him the next day saying, oh, I've got some bad news for you, mate. I think he's in the squad here. Just, don't worry, don't worry. You know, he's only playing Kuti. Nothing bad can happen there you know, yeah. So yeah. I, I think Benton Kerr got Messi's shirt after the game I, I saw read one report that he was walking around the back of the stadium wearing Cootie's shorts and Messi's <laughs> shirt so I think swapping shorts is a thing now as well oh my god Some, well he, cer- he certainly got his shirt in that particular encounter when he stripped yeah. the ball off him so someone else who will be enjoying their international break is um pa- Pape Sarr who got his first international goal yeah. This this break, mm. so I saw that. It was a nice uh, nice low finish to the bottom left hand corner, wasn't it? Just out just just outside the box. Really nice. And of course we had our um I'm glad I didn't bet a coffee on this particular uh, Korean uh, incident <laughs> with with Milo, but of course we had Sonny going down screaming in pain and saying he couldn't feel his foot at one moment. And of course every clickbait headline that came from that particular moment, obviously Sonny scored a, a cracker of you know South Korea, but he also went down injured. I, I I clicked onto these things and I was like, oh my God, is he actually got done? Is he hurt? And it's like, no, he's fine. He can walk. But uh, I don't know if either of you saw those headlines and were like, oh, know. shit. Yeah, I did. And I mean, yeah, again, you know, career are 2-0 up and yeah. um, Klinsman makes Sonny play, play on and play on. It's, um, yeah, yeah. Is there something in that where like, cause he's, because yeah, he's Sonny, he, that he, he has to... Well, no Korean fans are, are yeah. bringing signs to the stadiums asking him to be given a rest. No, oh, it's really? Be- oh, it's really? It's I didn't because, know that. It's because Klinsman is a fucking shit manager <laughs> and is desperate for, <laughs> desperate for wins to keep his job. Right. Deary me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought maybe uh, I, it's because, you know, because he's such an icon out there, maybe there was something there where he had to play as many minutes as possible. But if the fans yeah. are turning around and saying, give him a, give him a rest. That's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. really is uh, madness. Anyway. I mean, I, I think Sonny's partially to blame as well, because, you know, like yeah. like with us last season when he was playing through an injury, he just wants to play every minute of every game. He kind of feels it's his duty. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he could be asking to come off. He could be asking to be managed, but I don't think he wants to do that he's captain of his country he's proud of that so um yeah as much as i dislike clinton managing them and how and how he's using sunny i think sunny probably has to carry a little bit of the blame as well yeah well let's just hope i mean have they got one more game uh or is it they think they do have one more game don't they before uh they come home I, i'm enjoying no football so yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask well, me. <laughs> let's just hope that the let's just hope that the we get a, a clean bill of health returning for mm. in the middle of the week um okay goalkeepers um <clears throat> This got me looking back uh, through my memory banks. Uh, I'm sure it's got um, both of you doing the same. Why don't we either, uh, well, why don't we date ourselves actually, first of all, um, by stating who our first Spurs goalkeeper was. Uh, Milo, why don't you kick us off? So my first was Clem, Ray Clements. But I think realistically, yeah, I think probably Torstvet is the one who, yeah, I'm kind of catching the end of Clements and Torstvet's probably the one that I saw all the way through. I've got a bit of a theory that goalkeepers are like 
your, you, like your Doctor Who, because because they tend to be there for a while. There's going to be one that you kind of identify with. I'm not sure what the international equivalent of that is. Would it be your Batman or something like that? I'm not quite not quite sure. But um, so you know, with Doctor Who, I remember Tom Baker, but Peter Davison's probably my my Doctor Who, and yeah, Clements is my first keeper, but actually. Torstvet's the one that I saw kind of all the way through, so that he's probably the one that I identify more with from that period. It's interesting. I think when you say that about um, Doctor Who, whatever, I think the international equivalent might be James Bond. Who's your James Bond? Yeah, possibly. Bond? Yeah, that's not mm. a bad call. Yeah yeah, 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 that's a good one. That's a Thinking. good one. Yeah, so yeah. Um, somewhere in the middle there. I like Doctor Who as well, but uh, if you're if you're not a Doctor Who fan, you can go with James Bond. It's a good comparison yeah. actually, because yeah. uh, it's because they're there for a. You, you, yeah, it tends no, to be no. a generation that someone's there for, like isn't it? it? So you, absolutely, you, you, you can yeah. you can definitely age yourself. You can't. John Pertwee. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't Tourette's. I was um, just expressing uh, my favourite Doctor Who. Anyway, go on, Rem. Oh, uh, your favourite Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Was it? (laughs) Was it? Or James Bond? I'm trying to think. (laughs) Doctor Who? Was it? Is it Sylvester McCoy? Yeah. Was he? Yeah, Yeah. he was my first Doctor Who. I don't even remember him. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Let's leave it there, otherwise we're yeah. taking a bit of detail. <laughs> Let me stay on cuff. Sorry. <laughs> Carry <Yeah>. on. <laughs> um, did he play, for, did he play uh, in 89? No, sorry. <laughs> I'm just confusing things. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, my first Spurs goalkeeper was same, Eric Torchford. Um So when I first started supporting Spurs, he was the keeper that was in the sticks. And also I I was a keeper. Uh, in my playing days yeah. so um so he he's something you know he's quite a uh, big as as we'll go on to talk about he's quite a big figure for me actually gloves did you have the did you have big uh, the same gloves then big eric wears sondico gloves those giant yes. yeah, yeah 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 did you yeah. have a pair i did have a pair yeah very good too big yeah, for your yeah. hands way they? too big <laughs> did you did, did you feel that they helped you be a better goalkeeper no okay but i had them and <laughs> very good no, no, yeah, they did. It, yeah. like, they kind of did because it was like, well, I'm wearing his gloves and I genuinely thought he was the best keeper in the world. Oh. And, you know, obviously with time and you think back to it and I, and I was absolutely right. So, but... Uh, <laughs> no. What about you, Steph? Yeah, well, who's yeah, your, who's well, your first keeper? Yeah, well, yeah. Barry Danes would have been my first. Um, I'd, you know, I just remember him, uh, obviously, uh, not especially well, but he was my first. And... Uh, Sorry, that was my brain reminded me. I don't remind, remember him very well. Um, and then there was Mark Kendall for five seconds, which I remember particularly because he was awful. Uh, but Alexic's probably that the first, the first one that you know because of that cup, that cup season, and mm. he just is ingrained in there. Um, but he wasn't my favourite. My favourite was Ray Clements. Ray Clements is the keeper I formed a bond with. Mm. I met sure. Clements. I met yeah. Clements once. I had um, at, at the, obviously at the old ground. I had tickets to a game and we um had access to the players lounge afterwards and i think Stephen clements might have been playing in that game and oh, right. you know, in fact i'm pretty sure he was and yeah went back went, went back there afterwards and yeah shook his hand and yeah, i'm about the same size as him like oh you know, as he yeah. was like in terms of height yeah, but yeah. he was just a lot bigger than me if you know what i mean his hands are kind yeah. of like twice the size of mine and all the rest of it and yeah although i could look him in the eye he just he was just a lot bigger than me <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, plus they they have such presence, don't they? And keepers, yeah. particularly, we'll get into yeah. this with keepers. They have to have a presence. But so, I mean, I, I, in answer to the your question here, Milo, I mean, I, I, my first would have been Barry Danes, and I just waffled on about the other three because I couldn't bear the fact that maybe Barry Danes is my first memory. Although, in fairness to him, he was decent. He was okay. Nothing wrong with him. 
not spectacular, but uh, certainly not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. The, the George Lazenby of keepers. <laughs> oh, lovely. I like that. Very nicely done. Yes, very true. Yes, very true. Um, I like that. So, so, of course, now we get to the who is your favourite Spurs keeper, which I think I just answered by saying Ray Clements. Um, so, chaps, um, carry on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll say uh, uh, Eric Tortvet for me. Eric the Viking, I think he was just... When you know when I first started getting into football and especially getting into Spurs and um, and then watching him between the sticks and I I genuinely thought I, I thought he was the best keeper in the world I, I took it as an affront when he conceded because I was like how dare someone like score against him because he was such a you know and I was yeah. joking earlier but looking back on it he he wasn't he wasn't like an elite keeper by any stretch of the imagination he was a very good keeper for to, in my eyes you know and he was he's kind of quite synonymous with why I wanted to become a keeper um so i'd say he's my favorite i'd also say like robbo had a special relationship with the fans and you sure. know when he got the england jersey i think we were all collectively as proud as him um you know and so i'd give him a special mention but definitely eric for me yeah mine would be robbo i think partly because of that relationship and it's the period when i was probably going the most because mm. yeah because of like less life circumstance at the time it was easiest for me to get to games and what have you so i was going a lot i was in the park lane a lot that relation, yeah, the rapport he had with the fans, and actually just that whole period, you know, that that when Martin Yol took over, and uh, and you know, those that, those first couple of seasons were just absolutely great. I'm going to sneak in and and add another favourite because I, I Clem Clem's an easy one because he was I was a kid, right? But as an adult, I've got to be honest, my favourite goalkeeper of all time for us will always be Jorelio Gomez. Oh. I fucking loved him. He was superb. When he was superb, he was superb and then some. And I mean, yeah. it, you know, if you remember, he got signed essentially off the back of that PSV performance against us in the Europa League, yeah. where he was yeah. flinging himself to the left and right upper corners and you thought god where's this guy come from you know but i loved him i loved him as a character and and he just made me feel so good um uh, uh, just about us he was such a such a good uh, he was a what you call the proverbial good egg right i mean yeah you know and a cult singing his song oh yeah and and he did make some incredible saves which we'll we'll, Mm. we'll talk about in a little while but yeah um i think it'd be interesting to ponder if we have a soft spot for any keepers that never played for us who wants to lead that one i've got five great you go you go okay uh first one is uh neville southall just an absolute giant of a keeper Mm. one of the best ever for me just Mm. had the presence and uh he he was just yeah again in that that early era um when i was getting into football and stuff he was just and and he's incredibly sound is it one of the yeah one of the his his use of twitter and social media (laughs) is exemplary and um just an all-round good guy and say the voluntary work he does now he's retired and a really 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 good man yeah 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 he is great shout uh, and then this one purely because of italia 90 more than anything but uh schiltz peter shilton not a nice man not a nice but yeah <laughs> i was gonna say maybe his uh his <laughs> politics aren't uh really aligned with us probably but um i never liked him yeah, no, but I thought, you know, that just because, again, that snapshot of that moment, I had a bit of a soft spot for him, but, you know, in the day. Um, Walter Zenger, again, mm. Italy keeper, rated as one of the best in the world in my formative years. I always mm. liked his look and the way he was around the, around the you know, around the pitch. Um, then this is a bit of a, 
off curve. I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy. Um, he was the Galatasaray keeper between 86 and 96. Um, his, his name's Hayrettin um, Demirbash. Um, so I was living in Istanbul when he was their keeper. And he is the absolute epitome of a mad keeper. And then some <laughs> great, great keeper, massive temper, prone to outlandish behavior but also like a big presence in the box. And he was there in the thick of it when Sunes um, planted the flag in the centre circle against um, Fenerbahce. And, and he, 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 I think at some point he actually had the flag and wanted to do it himself. But yeah, I just always remember the stories about him because I supported Galatasaray in Turkey. And he was just just mad as a hatter. But yeah, right, so I've got a soft spot for him. Uh, and then the last one's just, I just put Schmeichel in just because I think he's probably the best ever in the Premier League era, at least, you know. And I, I just, I, I again, that yeah. United team, I'm really, you know, it's just, again, one of the best ever. So I just felt like I needed to give him a mention because he's he was just so good. I yeah. wouldn't put I wouldn't put any other Premier League keepers in because I'm petty like that. Um, <laughs> uh, Buffon, I was yes, yeah, so he's yeah. on my list. Yeah, and um, I would say just for comedy factors, um, Rene Higueta, the oh, Colombian yeah. who did the Scorpion save against England in '95. Yeah. So really, you got. Do, do, that's just that's purely for comedy. I mean, you have yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think that's how I introduced it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll just make, I'll just double reinforce it as much for my own for my own benefit. You did, you did indeed explain yourself, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose talent wise, he's a keeper that I've sort of hated over the years for what he did to us. Uh, I, I think of the the League Cup final at Wembley where we lost on a penalty shootout when he was in goal. And I'm talking about Ben Foster. Mm. Oh, ben Foster is a sort of keeper that would have actually had a really good Yol era uh, Tottenham career with us. I think he would have been uh, he would have been a, a good he would have done a good good job for us. And I think he'd have been a good laugh. And I think he'd have been a good character. Um, in terms of talent, it's very hard for me to look beyond Buffon, as as Milo said. I think that would have been uh, he would have been spectacular, wouldn't he? I mean, he'd have loved him uh, in his prime. Um, John Burridge, uh, Aston Villa, mm-hmm. uh, was a really really underrated goalkeeper. I thought was really really good, um, and uh, you know. Jimmy Rimmer was another one who was good, but I really shouldn't be mentioning him because he did play for them as well as Aston Villa. So, um, but I think I, th- I think you know I think I have to go with Buffon would be would be the choice. Along, I'm with Milo right there. I think. I d- I, um, yeah, I don't think we're asking us to keep us to play for Spurs. I think it's just who who we like, isn't it? But yeah, yeah I mean, but I've uh, you know, I've, I've um, taken it to another place. I suppose haven't he's I? Very I've classy come. keeper, isn't he? But, before yeah. on and off the pitch as well. Another another good guy off the pitch, but also just very I suppose, classy. But, you suppose it's, it's interesting you say that, Milo, because I have I have gone automatically to like, who could wear the shirt. But as for soft spots, I'm trying to think. I probably actually don't have an emotional. Maybe Jordan Pickford, just because he's mental. He looks insane, and I can never feel. I can never feel I, angry towards I, him. I never I look hate, at him and think, "Oh, you tosspot." I just think, "Oh, you absolute nutcase," I, and then I, I have it. a chuckle. I hate it when his name comes up on this pod because I know a story about him from someone who knows him, and I can't say it on here. Yeah, <laughs> every and, time, <laughs> and it it kills me. It absolutely kills me. Um, and yeah. So I, yeah, I know someone who knows him from yeah, from Sunderland and knows his family, and I've heard stuff. <laughs> but going back to Ben Foster, I mean, obviously um, <laughs> Gareth hates him, 
for his time wasting. Yeah, I think I, he's Gareth's most hated player. He was he <laughs> he, he was he, he was dancing right he was dancing when he retired, and then um, I think <laughs> he vowed vowed not to, to boycott the second series of um, This Is Wrexham when he found out that he'd signed for them. Um, <laughs> he, he won't he won't watch Deadpool I, movies anymore I, or anything. But as a result, I of love it. how pet I love how petty he is. Are there rumours um, that Ben Foster got a gold watch in it when he retired? Sorry, there's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Sorry, he just ties in nicely with Robbo because it was Robbo who scored against him. Yeah. It was him yeah. he scored. And, Were you yeah, there? I was there, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. It was. Um, well, describe the moment for those who weren't, of which I was one. I wasn't there. As it, as I, it unfolded I was direct, real time. I was directly behind him, I think. And um, I think, kind of as normal, when there's a, you know, you're not paying you know, acute attention to. You know, a, a kick, are you, from a keeper? Yeah, right. And you see it sailing down there and see Forster off his line. So I saw the bounce and then you think, he's not going to do that, is it? And then it has. And then and then, uh, what I really remember is everyone going ape shit. It just like <laughs> everyone limbs. kind of jumping up and down and jumping on top of each other and, <laughs> and that. So, yeah, I don't really – my memories of it, uh, uh, yeah, uh, grown men i've never met before hugging and kissing me in, uh, and just yeah. generally enjoying the moment rather than actually the goal itself yeah yeah got yeah yeah i wondered if there was a moment if you're watching where the trajectory and you're sort of looking like my god that might actually fucking drop in the back of the net there's always yeah, those there was, moments with those sorts of kicks you're the, like it, it, it it's going it's going like it, it was a uh, it's not going to is it oh hang on it is you know, know. And, and then <laughs> yeah. yeah oh and then, i say and then bedlam <laughs> bedlam yeah, i love it yeah okay Good. Well, chaps, it's a bit of a, I mean, you know, let's be baggy with this. Uh, I'm sure you can have more than one. I mean, uh, think of a couple of the best Spurs saves uh, that you can instantly recall. I went really to the point with the question here. So it was ones that, um, in the question was ones that you can instantly recall. Mm. And I can think of three. Okay. And they were all by the same keeper. Great. Go for it. Um, so the first one, the first one that came to my head was uh, Gomez, mm. um, and it was against Man United in two thousand and eight. We drew nil nil at home. It was Harry's. Uh, was it Harry? No, not Harry. Or was it? I can't remember. No, I think it was Harry. Yeah, it was a free kick against Giggs in the final, like final few minutes, and um, it was an impossible save. Like the the Giggs got it flushed to go into the top corner, and Gomez just bounced over, mm. palmed it, hit it into, hit it against the post, and it went out. Um, and we and we got the draw. And at that point, United were, you know, it was two thousand eight. They were they were a formidable team, you know, and um, and so that that's my first one that I, I instantly remember because I remember looking at it going there's no way he should have got that absolutely no way the next two are again gomez um they might not be the 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 best saves you've ever seen but the importance of them uh for me i just remember them vividly say the game i think you're going to i'll I'll, we we will have to yeah can i just ask a question about gomez actually before you go into these do you think he's one of those keepers who made saves look great because of yeah he, he he had his arms were too Octo. long. They were too yeah. long, weren't they, for a, for a human? And he was known as the octopus, wasn't he? He was known as the octopus. Yeah, and and obviously you know, managed pre- to make that sound inoffensive. <laughs> it's amazing. Almost complimentary. Yeah, it's almost the. <laughs> I mean, it, let's face, let's face it. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have to get his suits handmade, isn't yeah. he? Because he's not gonna be able to buy it off the. Off, 
off the peg shelf. Off the peg suit. I love it. Off the peg suit. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's you know, you're just gonna, it's going to be. It's only going to go up to. It's going to halfway through his forearm, isn't it? He's going to have um, cuff issues like I do if he uh, yeah. buys him off the peg. Um, anyway, but, um, yeah. No, obviously. Yeah, because my recollection, yeah, you know, my memory of him is kind of that pre pre match routine where he'd do that jump and he'd get his shoulders <laughs> oh, yeah. above the crossbar, and you'd get the cheer from the crowd. And I just think he's one of those keepers who, you know, maybe a routine save for anyone else would look spectacular from him because of the way he would do it. And I think yeah. he was quite theatrical, wasn't he? And I think you do get was, keepers yeah. who who make a make he a bit of a meal out of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love him. I think he's great. He was great. He was great fun. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, I do it's wonder probably, whether he... probably a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not technically. I mean, actually, the, the goalkeeper on here can probably tell us. I mean, I, I I was never a goalkeeper, so I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a very fair point to me based on what I remember. But before you get into those two saves, Ram, maybe um, as a goalkeeper yourself, I think I, th- I think yeah, there is a Milo does have a point in mm. that there were certain saves because he could reach quite easily. You'd look at it and go, you just have to stick your hand out. Whereas he went for the. Uh, I mean, his, arm, his arms, his arms were so freakishly long. He could have been laying yeah. on the floor, scratching his ass, and then just lift her arm up and catch yeah, yeah. it out the to- air. You know, to- I've got this yeah, image yeah. of those Mister Books and like Mr. kind of Mister Armsy, yeah. like, something like it's that. Called, it's called Mister Tickle, <laughs> yeah. Steph. So Mister Mister Armsy would be yeah. a bit. Yeah, Mr. Actually, Mister Tickle. His, his um, like dexterity that. and his his. Uh, his flexibility, actually, considering because his, his body shape, you know, he had the freak, not freakishly, he had very long arms. Um, but he was also <laughs> I, very. I'll just I, say it, but I've been saying it for five minutes in the politest way possible. It's okay. He had, he had freakishly friends. long arms. He was a bit of a bean pole. Um, so, really, he should, you know, his, no his dexterity and flexibility, no hair, you know, um, quite a he sight. actually. Yeah, he was quite a sight. But Huge smile think, always. Yeah, <laughs> apart from that time he started crying on oh, the pitch. <laughs> do you remember? I do. Yes, uh, I do. Yeah. But, so those um, two saves, let's bring you back to those two saves. Okay, yeah. So the next yeah, let's game... Stop, let's stop body shaming him for a moment, yeah. shall we? <laughs> <laughs> We're not that type of pod. <laughs> um, okay, so the first game was Arsenal 2010 at home. Uh, we won 2-1. Yes. It was two you're... saves from Van Persie. Yes. One was a close-range volley oh, that and the was, other and he, a free and, kick. And he couldn't see. He was actually yeah, blocked. Could, the the defender blocked, had yeah. blocked. I mean, you couldn't see what Van Persie was doing. It was actually a brilliant yeah. move by... Well, sorry, I should retract that. It was a somewhat half-decent move by Van Persie <laughs> to chest the ball down blind. Yeah. Anyway, I'm taking yeah, yeah, your point. No, absolutely brilliant. And mm. that kept us two in front until yeah. late on we did concede but quite late on and that was the, the time you know we were really pushing for first ever champions league football right um you know uh, yes yeah yeah it was actually yeah and then the second game was i think it was literally a week after it was the chelsea game yeah. which we also won two got two one and it was a save from a lampard volley that would have yeah. got them back in the game um I think it was a volley. Yeah, that was a volley as well. Yes, and he was. just kind of, yeah, it was just, again, very late, very close. He just got his hand out. And it, they're not necessarily, they're probably, I could probably rattle off another 20 that may have been better bar that free kick against Giggs. But it was just the the moment, you know, the, those two, those those saves in those moments were so definitive. And then we were, obviously, we went to City after, you know, after and, and we, we got Champions League. But they he were gave us that of, sense of impregnability yeah, with those two yeah. games. I remember that. Absolutely. So back to back, yeah, one yeah. was midweek, wasn't it? It was midweek, yes. and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think Incredible. that's the thing. With, I think that's the thing with Gomez, isn't it? Because and I think you see this with keepers a lot. And actually, I mean, 
with Robbo as well uh, you know, after um, was the Croatia game where the Gary Neville back yeah. passed in the bubble and his confidence yeah. crashed and it was yeah, it was just, really sad to see that happen yeah, to him yeah. and I think with Gomez it was the same it, you know when he was on yeah. a high he was unstoppable but yeah. once his confidence went um it wasn't there and mm. I think I, I, I'd imagine that when he was at his peak for us um attacking teams he must have looked you know twice as big and I think there is that kind of fear thing when you talk about Schmeichel and and, and others and Petr Cech would probably be another one wouldn't they where mm-hmm. I think Strikers were scared of them. Strikers had a, a fear of them, and and they probably got saves that maybe other keepers wouldn't have got because you know the, the players, you know, the opposition was kind of second guessing them because of that. And I think Gomez was probably that for us for a while because he would pull off these remarkable saves because he could yes. reach things that other people couldn't reach, and I think that's worth a lot. And yeah, and and then you've got that crash, and I think this is the thing with keepers, isn't it? Then it's not like any other position because you're on your own. There's no hiding place mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you've got that relationship with the fans or the opposition fans. And Robbo talked about that on the um, on the Spurs podcast where he's saying after that England game, um, he's got opposition fans behind him all game giving him shit, and there's no hiding place. And it must be so difficult. And the, the place you've got to be, the kind of mental strength you've got to have to be able to play through that or come out the other side is ju- just unlike any other position, I think. I think Gomez suffered a, a, a couple of terrible pieces of bad luck as well. One of which was at Chelsea, of course, where he was tagged. That, that was tagged for a yeah. goal that wasn't. It uh, didn't go over the line. I mean, he did. Yeah. Su- and that, that was a moment I remember his confidence going. But mm. but yeah, let, let's let's uh, let's get back to the uh, the instant saves. Milo, for you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have Gomez. I, I would have that Gomez as Arsenal one. The other one that's... I, I, I was having a look at... See, I mean, this is the worst kind of question for me because I can't remember any games that happened in the past. I did the, kind of the game's over and a week later I've forgotten it. I was thinking about... There was a Larice one against uh, Leverkusen where um, he saves it. It looks like... It, on first viewing, it looks like it's gone over the line. He's almost rolling with the ball and he oh, rolls yeah, forwards. Yeah. And um, it's before... I think it's before goal line tech because there's a uh, the, you had the linesman behind the goal for a period yeah, in European yeah. games. Do you remember that? Remember that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, they got it right. He did save it, but it was it was a really unconventional save. And from where he was, it didn't look like it was it was on. There was another one in the Champions League he had against um, um, Dortmund that was I'm trying to think who the strike was from now. Uh, yeah, was excellent. But yeah, I mean, I think. With Larice, I think again because of how it how it's ended, and certainly that last season, maybe season and a half, where again he was on a slide. And I think maybe you know some of that's you know his his body getting older. You know your reflexes aren't quite the same, and the game moving on as well. I think you you got to remember back to how he was at his peak, and he was just a great, great, great shot stopper. And maybe yeah. the op- maybe the opposite of of Gomez in that he wasn't particularly showy. He was he he didn't put theatrics on a save, mm. but he just just a great, great shot stopper. I think it's interesting. With I mean, we'll, we'll st- let's stick there for a second with with Hugo Lloris. I think he deserves an extra few minutes of our time <clears throat> um, for every reason that you said there, Milo. I think one of the things that I'll never know the answer to, obviously, but that injury at Brighton, he was never the same after that. Mm. And I have to wonder what that did to his body mechanics. Whether he had to slightly adapt to compensate for an injury that never quite came back together, I don't know. But or, he never or is it seemed that was a breaking again? point. Yes, yeah, or is it confidence, confidence again? You know, you're getting challenged yep. in the air. You're worried about going down. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... He was never quite the same after that, though, was he? 
it was a it was a really really it was a horrible yeah. injury for a goalkeeper to suffer especially mm. so just don't know do you but you're I, absolutely right it, it, when you say that his last couple of years have been have somewhat overshadowed um a, a decade plus of of, of great service through several transitional gears of this mm. football club it must be said um and because he's not necessarily a personality keeper but he's just a, a quiet mm. you know so you do tend to lose sight of just how great he was for us for so many years and the fact that he stuck with us when he probably could have gone to a bigger club or pushed for a move had he wanted to this is a world well, cup winner he was one of the best keepers in the world at his peak yeah, yeah. and yeah. and i do think you know the game the game has moved on from him. You know, I, I think you know, in terms of, I mean, again, it's another point that's made on that, that Spurs um, pod with, with the interview with Robbo, where they're saying kind of, you know, it's a position that's probably changed the most over the last decade in, yeah, in football. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, when Lloris arrived, the no, way he was quite. playing was revolutionary. Yeah. Was he was the, the first. Yeah. And, I just think it's you know what he was good at when he first came in because he was very he'd come off his line very very quickly and as mm-hmm. he's as he's got older he's done that a lot less um, and I think you know what what he pioneered other keepers have done but then they've you know they've had the touch and the control and the the comfort on the ball that he's never mm-hmm. really had and just taken it to to new levels and I think you know that and the, the slowing of his reactions have uh, has. Yeah, it's cost him, hasn't it? It's fascinating that you say that because it is so true. And also it sort of gives you that frame, doesn't it, of 10 years being every 10 years football maybe now goes through some sort of transition trans, transition in tactically in terms of what the quote unquote vogue tactic is to play, mm-hmm. um, especially. And, and, and he has embraced an entire phase from start to finish, which is really interesting to consider. <laughs> yeah, and it? I think that kind of ties in with the, that starting point we're making about, you know, kind of the Doctor Who's and the James Bonds in, in terms of an era, you get an era with a <laughs> A goalkeeper and I think Lloris definitely you know definitely so is, captures an era for so us. is he Connery or Moore <laughs> Connery or Roger Moore <laughs> that's what I'd have I, to ask I think, probably, a, I think he probably is Connery isn't he because he's a bit yeah. he's, he's, he's you don't get the theatrics or the or, or the flourish no. with with him more I mean, suave yeah. yeah yeah and I could see him saying Miss Money Benny <laughs> Hello, Miss Money Benny. I could see that. I can hear that. But um, I- I've got to say, best saves. You-, you absolutely nailed it with the Arsenal game for me, Aurelio Gomez. Vital. I will give Hugo Lloris's penalty save against the Birmingham at Wembley, mm, the last Wembley yeah. game. Massive yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably the angriest I've ever been at a North London derby, and I have mm. been to many. But for some reason, I was furious. I was so angry even after he saved it because it was just an indignity that we should even be there. That I punched the air in sort of joy disgust if you will that we had even had to have that but it was a great save really important yeah. save in our season and I'm going to bring this is one that <clears throat> I, I, I'm wondering if Gareth will remember this I'm going to bring us back to 1998 97 98 I think it was 98 it was a midweek game against Blackburn. Um, Espen Bardson, who um, uh, someone I know very well, is a, a super nice chap, um, and was also for a while well, not an anymore. Absolutely... As you didn't not anymore as you didn't have him down as your favourite Spurs goalkeeper. <laughs> 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 You're off the Christmas card list now. <laughs> but an absolutely for me, um, uh, uh, you know, an absolutely brilliant goalkeeper um, in terms of shot stopping and in terms of being able to make a clutch save at a clutch time. I mean. He helped keep us up that year um, mm. when Christian Gross uh, took the tube to be our manager. He helped keep us up that year and he, as, as a rookie, pretty much. Uh, but this this game in particular against Blackburn, he made a double save um, in the six-yard box 
that was absolutely spectacular. I mean, I won't, I won't drag you through the, the mechanics, but it was, it was like, what, what the hell has happened? Mm. I mean, he, one player of the game for it, or whatever. That sticks out as being just a fantastic uh, double save moment. Um, but yeah, there, there, there have been a few. Um, sadly, <laughs> the next question probably spring. We've all got one that springs to mind a little more easily. Um, well, it's a twofold question, I suppose. Any any shit Spurs keepers or absolute howlers that stick in the mind? Come on, chaps. I know that we've got a few. Milo, think, kick us off. <laughs> I think there's a race here to say Bobby Mims, isn't there? And and, and, and the ball going through his leg. Yeah. And going through his legs. And I'm still scarred by that. Yeah, 40 I years mean, later. his nickname was, of yeah. course, Booby Mims, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. What he used to be called. So. <laughs> yeah. I so think, that's the one that really sticks yeah, in my mind. Yeah. I think I don't in terms of shit Spurs keepers I think we've been fairly lucky that we haven't had like keepers that have come in where we've gone get him out right now we're like what the hell is this we've had a few keepers (laughs) yeah that's it I can only talk from like Eric onwards but you know we've had a we've had a few where we've been like okay he's not good enough but we've not had like he you know like as far as I'm concerned there's not been anyone I've thought wow he is shit howlers from we've had plenty of those and from the sublime to the ridiculous i'll go to gomez again um there was fulham 2008 Mm. it was like an innocuous cross from simon davis took the slightest deflection off woodgate was going straight to his chest all he had to do was put his arm you know get his arms like that and get ready to feed it in and he somehow managed to like palm it into behind him into Mm. the net um, and we ended up losing that game 2-1 so you know he had a few but that was one that really kind of stuck with me and that was when we I think people were thinking who is this guy because he didn't have the best start and um, but then obviously he, he redeemed himself you know more than that and then more recently Lloris in the last mm. few years has had one um, mm. again it's sad because I, I think he's been one of our best ever there was the really recent one last season the cross shot from Saka in the NLD which he all again all he had to do really was like parry it out and he parried it into his yeah. into the net and we lost that 2-1 and then in Southampton luckily a game we won 2-1 but he tried to cry off turn it away from Danny Ings oh, yeah. on the line we were 1-0 up and down to 10 men and he decided to do that and I remember back then 2018 going oh what what's happening here <laughs> crikey yeah I yeah it's interesting it seems that the biggest howlers um do sometimes happen to our favourite or greatest mm. keepers. Of all the games I've been at and several mistakes I've seen, the saddest one was uh, the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final in 1982 at White Hart Lane. And I implore you to, to look it up on, on YouTube uh, if, if you don't remember this. Uh, Barcelona came. They kicked us off the pitch. It was actually why I can never, ever get down with Barcelona and what a great football side. I remember them being absolute animals that night. And they were. They were terrible. Absolutely battered us. I mean, some of the challenges you'll see in that replay are unbelievable. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, uh, anyway. Um I think Ray Clements had one shot to deal with in the whole game. It was like a 35-yard punter from Olmo. He literally put his hands up. His hands would have been behind the ball. And for some reason, the ball went through his hands and over his shoulder and into the net. And it was so uncharacteristic. 
you almost thought there'd been a space-time continuum and that someone had been mm. fucking around with a VHS tape or something. And it was like, <laughs> can someone just rewind this? Because this obviously hasn't happened. It's Ray Clements. He doesn't make mistakes like yeah. this. Ultimately, it really it was it was super costly because it cost us the company's cup final in the long run. But that was singularly the worst mistake. I think closely followed by the Ian Walker bobble against mm. Liverpool, um, which was uh, at a time when Ian Walker was possibly not my favourite goalkeeper because I was choosing yeah. probably quite unfairly to judge him on his overall Pringle soul boy personality and his grinning. And he grinned <laughs> after that. And the the, the younger me, oh, like yeah, couple, yeah. about well, what's about 25 years ago now, I was incandescent. Like, how dare you laugh? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. you know, you wanker. Like, it's not, you've made a mistake. Now I look back and I'm like, well, what the fuck else is he meant to do? Like, start punching yeah. himself in, in the gut. I mean, you know, you have to laugh because it was such a wild and, and uncharacteristic mistake. Uh, so I, I think Walker's a funny one, isn't he? Because he is. You know, he, he was. You know, he's, he's getting England caps. He, you know, he, he's clearly very good. My recollections of it is that he never really instilled confidence in me, and maybe it was because of that smirk when things went yeah. wrong. Um, yeah. But you know, he was with us for a, a long time, and yeah, he was. Mm. Yeah, just just such a funny. Yeah, I think maybe it's yeah the smirk, the haircut. The smirk and the haircut were a big deal, weren't they? And 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 I think looking back, it may be unfair to judge him on those things. I mean, well, obviously it's unfair to judge him, but you know, because we're older now, we understand mm. that maybe. But he didn't, yeah, he, he didn't inspire confidence in me either. And he did also have the misfortune to play in that odd sort of range of of sides where he was coming through from you know mm. Ardiles into France's, mm. and then suddenly France's goes down the pan, and then Christian Gross, and he had that loss of form, which is when Espin came in for those last. Uh, mm. eight Eight, nine yeah. games or so and, and so you know yeah, and, and if you talk if you talk about yeah kind of goalkeepers personifying an era he's yeah. got a really shit era you know yeah, it's he's he, yeah. he, not got a lot to work with and yeah. it's it's yeah probably a, a worse period in our, yeah. in our modern yeah. history yeah. and he's never present pretty much all the way through that mm. yeah. yeah he came in with a lot of promise as well i remember yes. like i think there was a lot of uh there was a lot, a lot of like um, fanfare around him, and and I think his debut. I can't remember his whole debut, but I remember one instance where like the ball came over, and he kind of did this one-handed scoop mm. save. And I remember then thinking, oh, oh, what have we got here? But um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Milo. That uh, you know, the our, our kind of worst Premier League era. That's he's he's the ever sort of almost ever present there, yeah. Um, which might be unfair, but yeah, yeah. But you just Steph, you just reminded me of the the smirk or the smile, and I remember he got he got absolutely hammered for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, and I was one of the people hammering him. I mean, that's yeah. that's you know, it's quite quite unfair. Again, when you think about your behaviour, and we talk about this a lot on this pod, you know the you know the mental uh, health and well-being which i think people are a lot more aware of it now but i think of the abuse that ian walker got i mean that mm. the juxtapose of that is thank goodness these players didn't have to go through social media trial mm. by fire i mean ian walker would have been destroyed i think long before he eventually uh, succumbed to yeah. a, a, you know a lesser than spurs career but um, mm. he actually ended up going to everton didn't he and i think he had a, right. he had a similar so a couple of similar mistakes and he slowly yeah. wound his way out but he was the england goalkeeper uh, for, a was, while, yeah. for a short while, for a short while. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah okay. England, England number two for quite a long time. I mean, he yeah. was he was in the yeah. an ever present yeah. in England squad for quite quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was. I I, th I think his name might be coming up in answer to the next question as well. <laughs> Good. What, ask the question. <laughs> so, what's the worst goalie jersey you remember? 
And <laughs> Steph, this, this is you getting a bit anal here with brand year and kind of brand year yeah, and colours all the details. Yeah, God damn it. Ready. <laughs> exactly. I, I had and I'm asking a And I can't remember. That. I'm going to say that and I'm going to throw my example. I'm going to go, oh, I think it was then. So. <laughs> I've got a couple of Walkers, Walkers originals. <laughs> I wonder if we've got the same ones, well, Milo. The, the orange and blue stripe one, yeah. and um, and in '94 we had, he had a green one with kind of purple and blue kind of diagonal uh, like stripes coming out through the middle. And it's just yeah. a bad. Yeah, the '90s is a bad period for football <laughs> goalkeepers' jerseys. Full stop. Because yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, there was there, there was there was a certain certain club down the road that um, that had some real monstrosities. Yeah, I mean, they, they've had entire kits that make me laugh. So. Yeah, <laughs> and put on sunglasses. I may point out, but anyway, Ram, I I um so I think we've actually been apart from the nineties. I th- I think some of our goalkeeper kits have been really smart. You know, I've, I've really quite liked some of ours. But I've there's two for me which are kind of in that nineties era. One was um the ninety six ninety seven pony keeper kit, which is pretty ropey. That was I'm gonna I'm gonna put both of them in the chat. Mm. There was um the ninety six ninety seven was um it was like navy blue squares mm-hmm. that looked like with what looked like snowflakes in some and then some orange star shaped designs in the other squares. Mm. Um and that was that just looked really garish. And then the year mm. after Awful. the second keeper kit, yes. it was a mixture of orange, light and dark blue and some yellow. It was something I'd expect from like Sheffield Wednesday or something. You're no, making it Sheffield sound Wednesday. much nicer than it is. Let me <laughs> let me because that is my choice, is that kit. All right. <laughs> it looks like when i look at that the first thing i think of is andy pandy i don't know why it looks like a it looks like a child's pajama top that they would wear whilst watching andy pandy uh it's it's absolutely horrendous it is it has to be the most horrendous goalkeeper and i think what ram's trying to describe is this sky blue bright orange stripes which are then suddenly broken up with dark blue stripes and yellow yellow and i just i Someone actually got paid to design this. Can you imagine the designers meeting? I've got it, lads. This is the one. They're going to look fantastic. Have you heard of Andy Pandy? (laughs) I think that whoever was designing football goalkeepers jerseys in the 90s just turned up pissed for work every day. I I think think they were on the lash for the whole decade. Either well, like, that, or do you think the thought was that as Andy Cole was bearing down on goal one on one, he'd just take a quick look up to try and look at the whites of the keeper's eyes and be deflected by this horrible kind of thing? What the fuck is this opal fruit standing in front of me? I'd be like, I don't know. It's a, a deft combination of the two. So Schmeichel had some shockers, didn't he? And, he did, yeah. Um, and obviously, David Seaman had some real, real horrible ones. The England jersey had for. Um, Euro '96, red with kind of green and yellow kind of blotches oh, yeah. in the middle was was horrible. <laughs> it's it's um, almost like the kit manufacturers do it on purpose, isn't it? Yeah, let's yeah. really make sure people know what a weird position goalkeeper is. <laughs> let's just give them the weirdest coloured shirt we possibly can. Uh, one keeper or two. I think it's an interesting thing uh, to think about. Yeah, you know, we've had clear first choice keepers for a while. Um, there have been points in the past when the gap between the first choice and deputy has been closer. Uh, particularly, probably think of uh, well, well, Tony Parks to Ray Clemens, maybe because Tony Parks won us the UEFA Cup in the end. But I mean, more recent 
recently we had a we had a, was it we had Vorm right under mm-hmm. under Hugo Lloris uh, if we consider him to be a standard Forster um, I suppose you'd argue that uh, I suppose you'd argue that Gomez and Cudicini were you know fairly well matched wasn't it I guess the point is can you see any benefits in having competition or even rotation between the sticks bear in mind that Casey Keller played two seasons in a row uh, without yeah. you know I, th- I think if we go back to Walker actually yeah. I think he he's probably one of those periods I mean you know he took over from Torstvet didn't he he, he ousted him mm. And then you know you mentioned about about Espen. Um, you know he took he took you know got close close to being first choice on occasions. And then later on, we got Neil Sullivan coming in, and there was a little bit of rotation between him and yeah. uh, between him and Walker. So we saw yeah. it quite a few times then. Mm. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, if you look at this season with Arsenal, I think actually it's it's causing them a bit of a bit of problems. Yeah. I think you probably yeah ideally for me you have a, a first choice and either. A senior pro who's at the end of their career, who's you know happy being second choice, but is reliable when they come in. But you know there's going to be a drop off there, or you know a younger player who you're looking to groom and come through and, and replace yeah. them eventually. I think those are the two yeah. best positions. I think if there's very little gap between them, um, you're under pressure to play them both, and then I think you destabilise your back line because they don't know who's be- you know who's behind them. It's very difficult with yeah. that because I think the centre backs particularly need a relationship with the keeper, and for that yeah. you need to uh, play them week in week out. So I'm not really i'm not really a fan of rotating center backs and goalkeepers i'd rather you know if they're fit i'd want to play them all of the time so you build that relationship yeah. um and i think you know you can see it when we've done it in you know quite often in europe you know when we've been in the lesser european cups we've tended to play a reserve keeper and it always looks shoddy at the back because they just don't know each other and they don't have that understanding and rapport so it's not something i'm particularly keen on no, I completely agree with you, Milo. I think that, you know, I'm quite, I, maybe it's considered old school now, I don't know. But, you know, we should have a designated number one and then a number two who's either good enough that they are looking to usurp the number one or, an, as you said, an older, more experienced head, but someone who can come in and there's not much drop off. Um I mean, you know, we have had massive drop-offs in the past, and then maybe as a number three, like an academy grad who's shown a lot of promise, you know. But like, and we've we've done that as well, you know. That will come through, and and we keep them in in and around the first team. Um, what I quite like was when you know when we bought Larice in, and we had Friedel mm. in goal, and I thought that was quite a decent transition where you know everyone assumed Larice would come in and he'd just be given the jersey, but yeah. actually I think Friedel got a good ten games, didn't he, or something like that, and they just sort of then they kind of. Drew, you know, introduce Larice into the fold, and there wasn't much of a drop off, but you know, mm-hmm. for that as well with with Friedel, you know, still a very solid keeper, and he was actually he was really on board with it. I, I, if I seem to remember that, he kind of knew his his position, and he was okay with the fact that okay, Larice is going to come in as the number one at some point, but you know, it was, maybe it was out of respect, but also because he's a, he was a very good keeper still that we didn't just usurp him completely. So I quite like that method as well. Yeah. It is interesting in our in our time. We've had a couple of moments where that phasing, where there's two keepers of fairly decent quality of the club, have, have cost a keeper his job, and and you didn't quite figure out why. I mean, we talk about Bobby Mims. When Bobby Mims came to Tottenham, he was a top goalkeeper, and it just fell apart. I mean, you know, and under the pressure, I suppose, from Torsvet. I mean, you know, that that, that was a, there was a strange drop off, but probably the bigger and weirder drop off for me was was Neil Sullivan, mm-hmm. um, who came in and was a top. His first season, I remember thinking, Christ, this is like having Ray Clements again. 
I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, excuse the physical differences, but consistency of performance, he was great. And then all of a sudden, he, he had a couple of wobbly games, as I remember, or maybe one or two. I, I'm a little foggy. Maybe you can help fill in that space. But I do remember suddenly we had Casey Keller and he was done. Neil Sullivan and Sullivan yeah. was done. You're like, what? This can't be right. Like, why has this happened? So yeah. we, 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 and he started almost to get a reputation uh, for a short moment of being a club that took on great goalkeepers and ruined them, <laughs> which was a little odd, I remember. Um, I, I, I do think it's, it's you know, we talked about that kind of mental side of it and how yeah. you're on your own. And I think, yeah. you know, we're a big club. For, so most of, the, most of the keepers coming in, it's going to be a step up from what, you know, what they've they've seen before and kind of the attention they're getting and the scrutiny they're under. And I think, you know, you've only got to have an error or two. And, you know, I think all keepers have got, you know, a mistake or two in them, haven't they? And and then suddenly, you know, everyone's looking at you, everyone's talking about you, and, and, and how do you deal with that? And I think that's probably, you know, what we're seeing there. You know, Neil Sullivan, you know, Wimbledon is not going to have that kind of scrutiny, is he? You know, they're plucky underdogs and all the rest of it. So even if you, you yeah. almost expect them to, score, to, to um, concede goals, don't you? So it's not... Yeah. It's not the same situation. Yeah, no, it's it's not just uh, like for for these players. It's not just the fans and the media and stuff. Even like playing grassroots football, I remember playing for a team where you know I was always quite a vocal keeper, and I got asked to play for a team that was doing really well in a in a league above. And they said, oh, you know, they kind of needed a ring up, you know, someone to come in. Um, and and it was a friend of mine who was playing. It. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come and play. And I remember coming in feeling quite confident, going, well, you know, I'm, I'm a gobby keeper. I'm you know, I, I'm okay and I can hold my own. And I made a mistake in my first game uh, really early and it was a really bad mistake. And um, and I remember at that moment thinking, oh God, like this is a team that's quite a, a level above me and I've made this mistake and I'm kind of, I want to be, I want to be vocal, but I'm also now thinking of these players thinking, who's the, who's this guy? Why did we mm. bring him in? You know, and stuff like that. So there was that mental hurdle to sort of come across as well. And I think I just about, came came out of it you know because I made a couple of good saves in that game but I was always like in the back of my mind I was always like that's all they're going to remember now that first mistake you know which maybe wouldn't have been made by their normal keeper and stuff and it's it's your own players as well that you're kind of worrying about because it's such a you know good keepers are vocal and if you're going to be vocal Mm. after making an absolute howler a lot of some, you know, you're thinking oh, the defender's just going to turn around and go, oh, "Shut your mouth, mate! <laughs> you just cost us! You just cost us! We're two 0 down because of you." <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. It brings up another question that I mean for another pod. I think we've talked about doing this at some point, um, or maybe not a whole pod, but a bit of it. That whole idea of the second goalkeeper that is content to be one for the rest of their career. I mean, Milo, you bring up this great point where you know, really, you want experience there, mm. and in that to that regard. Whilst Fraser Forster may not be the 100% ideal goalkeeper to step in if anything happens to Big Vic, he's probably as good as you can expect given the way we play and given what you know what you need in terms of being able to step in to a cold situation. I mean, you train all week. He's professional enough to take it on without uh, letting his concentration go. But I do wonder, I mean, I think of, of Alfie Whiteman, for example, like, yeah. you know, where where is that? What is that career and what is that that? Yeah. Profession yeah, yeah. I mean, about. We've talked about this a few times, haven't we? So, well, mm. you know, Alfie Whiteman and, and Austin as well. Um, you know, they're both. I think they're twenty four now. They spent their whole career at the club. Um, you know, both have had you know, shortish spells out on loan, but you know, nothing, nothing significant. And I mean, presumably the pay's quite good, being third and fourth choice keeper at Spurs. You'd assume. I mean, but 
you know, probably better than you're going to be getting in. I don't know where, where they're, if they're left, where, where they're going to be playing. Like League One, League yeah. Two, I don't know, National League, I'm not sure. Um, it's hard to see. Yeah, they're definitely not going to get a Premier League job. They're probably not going to get a Championship job, are they? So, uh, right. You know, so right. I don't know. But it must be a very weird thing where effectively oh. you, you've got a career where seasons on end because they're not playing for the under 21s that they're they're getting paid to come and train they've yeah. probably got a, they've probably got a great lifestyle but you're a, you're a sportsman who never plays sports and it's a very very weird <laughs> yeah. scenario isn't it mm-hmm. and i'd assume that they'll probably both leave in the summer i would have thought and yeah. yeah i don't know it must be it must be very very difficult for a keeper who does that to then establish themselves as well yeah you, know, you talked about you know you coming you stepping up a league ram and and worrying about that but you're you're effectively coming to a, a team where you're saying okay i've trained with some great players but i've never bloody played no yeah exactly yeah, and you take into account all the various mental foibles that being a goalkeeper mm. carries with it um imagine if you know imagine if a virus sweeps through and you know big vic and force her out and one of those keepers has to come in all of a sudden playing a, you know a, a high line game high pressing yeah. i mean the, I think I think they've looked all right. I think they looked all right when they played in in preseason. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah I mean the, the challenge the, would be huge, wouldn't yeah. it? And obviously, you know, no managers fancied them to be second choice when they've been there. You know, you could have could have made that choice, but we've we've chosen not to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, interesting one. Uh, we have arrived at the part of the pod where I think we're all looking forward uh, to, to getting into this. We're all looking forward to a little bit of a big Vic love here. Uh, Vicario has most certainly not just come in uh, as our new number one goalkeeper. It's fair to say he's established himself as um, a firm favourite and also as uh, you know one of our almost indispensables at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. And not just uh, for what he uh, has in his arms and his feet and his body, but also he has such a presence. Right. Um, are you surprised by how quickly he's settled? I think I'll hold my hands up. I wasn't convinced after his first league game against Brentford. I thought that there might have been a touch of the calamity in him, you know, and I, and I think I even mentioned it in our chat. Um, but I'll say this now. He's been phenomenal. Like he has everything. His positioning and anticipation is as good as I've seen in any keeper and I, honestly, I, if he carries on the way he starts, he started his first career. He'll be he he will be by far one of our best ever that's played for the club. And you know, I already think he's probably for me he's the best keeper in the league at the moment. Um, stats bear that out. So yeah, in terms of yeah. uh, goals prevented, I think he's got the best stats in the yeah, league. Yeah, he's he's there's there's things that it's his anticipation that I just I'm I'm in love with it. I just so you just there's things again like you know like that Gomez free kick save there's certain moments where I think oh okay this is you know we've conceded here but he's there and he just makes the right choice. The one that really brought it home to me during the Wolves game and I don't think it was his best performance. I mean I don't think he was particularly great in that game actually but um I was so in the first half when you got Darren Davis in, 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 back in defense and I was thinking what would this be like now if we had Lloris in goal and mm a bad situation gets compounded and it's you know significantly worse because you haven't got the ability to play back you haven't got someone who's assured there and it yeah he's made such a difference i i i i i'd watched him a little bit uh before he joined joined us uh, i liked him um but i'm I'm surprised at how seamless it's been, this transition. I mean, it, it couldn't have mm-hmm. gone better in terms of a new keeper coming in. You know, you, you talked earlier on about when Lloris came in, um, he came in a second choice and then 
took over halfway through that yeah that his first season um I think some of us thought that maybe that would happen with Vicario this season and you know maybe forced to start the first couple of games we settle in and um and, and then he comes in and, and and takes over but um he's settled remarkably quickly and yeah it looks fantastic and makes such a difference to our game I think his um his his confidence versus his absolute um teamsmanship if that's a word uh he just really embraces every element you would want of a of a, a fearless leader goalkeeper he's sort of got a bit of the schmeichels without the wanker about him if you will i mean not to say that peter schmeichels a wanker he's not but you know as, as a footballer he was not mm. friendly but he was dominant mm. and he he fiercely uh defended his own players his own defenders um and he bonded and i see that with vicario week in week out you know if someone plays a loose pass or a loose ball he's the first one to be uh, he actually pats him on the back very verbal very much like this area of the pitch I'm in charge and it's all good. We're in this together. And you really feel when you watch him, you're winning and losing together, that nobody's culpable. And that must be fantastic to play with, you know. Balled out skip against uh, against Wolves. Uh, you know, as as is, I remember that. But I mean, that's one moment. I think generally yeah. speaking, you'd have to say he's been very, very forgiving uh, of anything that's happened ahead of him. And he does not show the jitters like he doesn't ever look jittery to me he looks excitable and excited but he never looks jittery he doesn't look unconfident uh he looks far older than 26 in terms of his uh in terms of his presence and that's really impressed me and another thing actually just quickly that i really love about him is that you know as a keeper you're going to concede you know you know that but when he concedes he you really look at him and he he is like he's like i was with thoughts vet he considers it like an uh an affront it's like this should not be happening i don't concede goals and i love that you know i love that attitude yeah yeah i i I think you'll be the first goalkeeper to to lift silverware with us since paul robinson for sure i think it's a given and i think that he'll probably lift a few pieces um oops that's optimism creeping in that's (laughs) um but it does i mean when i look in his eyes i mean there's no doubt he does have a little bit of the loonies in his eyes sometimes you look at him and you know it's a little bit of that sort of quiet like you know a little bit he almost looks a bit like ben kingsley in a sexy beast he gets a little bit of that sometimes about him i don't know very intense maybe a little bit of the travis Bickles in his eyes sometimes I don't know but you know let's face it I think all goalkeepers are a bit bonkers right we can agree with that yeah I think yeah? that's a bit of a cliche to be honest with you I don't think I I think there have been some but I don't think they all are I think I, th- I, th- I think it's probably now it's a cliche I think maybe back in the day there was a good proportion of keepers that were just because it, it might be more with in terms of like not so much even their personality but what they're required mm. to do which is just throw their bodies around with, I think, with reckless abandon i think it's such a unique position though mm-hmm. i think it's always going to carry with it you have to be a slightly different type of person to want that type of pressure or not a good enough at football to play outfield <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think it's whichever which is way, basically what happened with me so yeah. whichever way i see i think the game has moved on since then because of course you got edison who i quite happily play as a defensive yeah, midfielder yeah, yeah. in a pinch but <laughs> i think that the point of my my comment about being bonkers was was my, my final setup here which i thought we maybe would have a little bit of fun with given that there are cliches um you know in in rock and roll music or in music in general about drummers drummers are considered the uh sort of the, the the odd ones in their ba- in the band right i mean for whether 
that's a cliche or not, I don't know. Uh, we could debate that forever. But I thought it might be, oh, why don't we just have a little fun with this, uh, if you'll indulge. Uh, one drummer you think would have made a great keeper, and one keeper you think would have made a great drummer. Anyone want to go for this? Want me yeah, to I'll kick go. it off? or do you, Why don't you kick it off, Ram? I'm sure yeah, you yeah. can get us there. Honorary uh, mentioned to your mate Lars, I think he could have been like a Danish grobbler. <laughs> Groblars, absolutely. It's a good call. Yeah, yeah been a quite compact. And yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, uh, not so much because he's like, you know, like maybe the cliche that he's a bit out there, but actually uh, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden oh. and Pearl Jam. Powerful presence, strong mm. hands, heartbeat of the team, never lets you down. Wow. That so I is... think he'd be, yeah, he'd be, my, he'd be a keeper. That's a good And man. then a keeper that would be a drummer. I'm yeah. going to go with our, our mate, uh, is it Jens or Jens Lehman? Jens Lehman. Okay. I think he'd be in like a, just the, the way he looks, he'd be in like a, a glam metal band like Dokken <laughs> or Steel Panther. <laughs> I can imagine him in, in that sort of scenario. And he was a bit out there and, you know, had a bit of a temper on him. He'd I can see him on stage. Halloween, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Steph? It's the perm. Oh, I mean, I, for me, uh, I, I, you know, you could go classic, right, with the Bonhams or whatever. But for me, yeah. there's only one there's only one drummer I want as a goalkeeper in my team, and that's Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. Absolutely oh, bonkers. Yeah. Six foot four. Arms and legs going everywhere, yelling uh, at all sorts and everyone, including himself. I don't know how good he'd be, but he'd be bloody entertaining. I can tell you that. <laughs> so that would be. And as for a keeper uh, to be to be uh, to be a drummer, yeah, that is tough. I mean, I'm going to have to flip the table and say that I'd have I'd have Tommy Lee going in goal, and I'd probably have Gomez going on the kit for Motley Crue, actually. <laughs> Can you imagine him on the, the upside-down riser? Oh, it'd be great, wouldn't it? With <laughs> yeah. those giant arms dangling like pendulums, uh, clipping Nicky Six around the head. <laughs> he, has got the air, he has got the air of animal from the Muppets, hasn't he? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I took this in another direction, Steph, because I was thinking about kind of the changes to goalkeepers over the, over the last few years. And I think probably... Nowadays, you want it, it, drummers in goal. I think we probably want Charlie Watts or you know, Clyde yeah. Stubblefield. So James Brown's one of James Brown's drummers, the man who yeah. came up with the funky drummer beat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you probably want that now rather than uh, John Bonham or um, you know, Mo Tucker or something. You know, somebody's just <laughs> you don't want someone knocking out a steady beat anymore, do you? You want someone who can who can do the fills and can do a lot more. So I think mm. yeah, maybe. Yeah, a drummer, a drummer with more techers is 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 what we need in gold these days, rather than just someone who can thump it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, interesting. But what about the other way? You got a keeper that you'd like to place in a in a, in a band? This is great pod. Oh uh, yeah, it's great material. This isn't it? It's um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't. Know, maybe we put Ben Foster in a real meat and potatoes rock band. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought about that, like someone like Foster or or a Shay Given. Yeah, being the stereophonics or something like that. Yeah, or yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah so. totally. Stereophonic. I thought about Hugh Gillaris in Coldplay, actually. Oh, bloody oh, yeah. hell. Yeah, yeah, no, I could see that. I <laughs> could see hell. that. Jesus. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's an insult no, that... to, to, to Hugo, isn't it? I'm just it is, but music. I can see it. <laughs> actually he Can would I probably just... be in the band saint etienne wouldn't he if he was going to be in any well no he'd probably hate me for that actually come to yeah. think of it anyway anyway i think uh, everyone... can I just go on yeah I, yeah i just want to say uh, the obvious answer to this for the uh drummers that could be um goalkeepers and i'm glad we didn't say it because it would be keith moon oh, 
But that's such an obvious answer that I'm glad that none of us said that. Yeah. Because you just go for the, you know, the crazy out there yeah, drama. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, incredibly talented. Mm. So it means mm. he'd probably get to the things in the top left, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be passing he's, back to him with his legs your, open. He's, you know your grub, I mean? he's your grubbler option, isn't he, really? Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is. And on that note, uh, I think this has been it's been great. I mean, it could have gone on forever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm thinking of things all the time that I wish I'd said, and I'm not going to yeah. say them now, um, about keepers that I admire and whatever. But, you know, it is one of these uh, – it's, it's an eternal discussion, really. And uh, But – Staying on cuff as I must, I think we'll probably have to draw this one to a close. Uh, Milo, do you want to save me from waffling back into it anyway and uh, lead us through the week that was? Yeah, we'll say the week that was. There's only one story here, really. Uh, Stephen Corker shared a message on social media last week that he'd been uh, been successful in getting a TV job, but they'd been dropped after the programme sponsors, the betting firm Bet365, rejected him because they were nervous about some uh, some of the positive work. So this is a quote from Corker here. Nervous about some of the positive work I, Corker, had done around problem gambling. Um, Corker's a player that has cropped up a few times on this pod. And only a few weeks ago, we were talking about a foundation he set up to help kids who'd been released from academies. So it's, it's, it's a bit strange that he comes up you know, relatively frequently for a player who didn't play that many games for us and, you know, not, you know, not you know, a big player for us by any means. But... Um, an interesting chap who's um, you know, not afraid to talk about his experiences and also he kind of wants to put something back into the game. I was really saddened when I saw this. I don't know what you guys, and I shared it with you on our on our WhatsApp uh, group. And um, yeah, I, I was just saddened by it. And I was also just a bit disgusted that the sponsors had mm. kind of scuppered this. And really, it's got, you know, it's a massive overreach by them, I thought. I don't know what you guys, mm. what you guys think. Yeah, I thought, I think I said that in our chat. I said, it, I just thought it's utterly disgusting because I, I think it's a real it is a real own goal by the companies and it also it outs and exposes how little they actually care about gambler aware and and things like that and the the sentence i know it was corker sentence but in itself is telling you know nervous about the positive work i've done why would you be nervous (laughs) about positivity um you know and and so yeah i think i think i i'm glad i'm i'm really glad he, he he talked out about it as well yeah, I mean, we're in an era where, you know, football likes to strut its social feathers and talk about how conscious it's being and all the associated companies and so on and so forth and broadcasters, we support this rights and that rights. And we support. Uh, here's a fine example of uh, a TV company apparently absolutely losing uh, any sense of moral fibre or backbone. And as you quite rightly said, Milo, allowing uh, a sponsor, in this case, Bet365, to step uh, across a jurisdiction. I mean, it's a, it's an absolute massive own goal on all on all sides we want players to support them each other and we want players to be honest this is not the way to do it um and this pod has been uh quite public in uh you know in in our um support stephen colker and what he's tried to do as milo mentioned earlier and it will continue to be and i you know i just think football in general really needs to check itself at these moments you know don't walk that walk and then when the moment comes to support allow yourself to be trodden over a, a, a disgrace you know disgraceful anyway we are going to be back next week to discuss uh our game against villa um chaps thanks very much indeed uh that was a lot of fun yeah, <laughs> really great. Good. thank you um yeah and you know we'll be discussing anything else that's been happening in the world of tottenham hotspur too but um it'll be nice to get back to game duty won't it uh, <laughs> will mickey van der ven make it 
I don't think he'll make it for Villa, but I'm prepared to have a coffee bet with you that he'll play play for us this calendar year, if you want that one. Yes, this calendar oh, year. Wow. I, oh, I don't know. You see, I, the, logically, I agree Amsterdam with he's you. out until the new year. I think he's going to. I think he's going to be sooner than that. Um, so there's 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 a bag of fine coffee there if you if you if uh, you, you know think. you know I'm always like ribbing that you only take bets that you think are relatively safe and you've laid one down for me here and I think it would be uh, spurious for me not to accept that bet. I think it would be against the spirit of what we're trying to do here, which is you know have a little fun. So I'm taking that bet. I'm taking it. So help me God, I hope you get another nice. pound of coffee off me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, folks, and we'll Cheers, see Steph. you next week. Cheers, mate.